Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. For me, it's been a blessing. I'm trying to align myself to some of the things that the Lord is speaking to me from these gates entering the city. And it's very important because like I always say, it's a bit different between seeing and entering. Is that okay? Yes, you can see. But that doesn't mean you've entered. Uh, I was flying in from the U.S. and we have to get to Casablanca and that was supposed to be in Morocco. I only saw, I didn't enter. <laughs> because I had no visa to enter. Is that okay? There's a big difference between entering and seeing. And so somebody will tell me now, have you been to Morocco? I can't say I've been to Morocco. I only stopped at the airport. I didn't enter. <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah. You have to have a visa to enter. So part of the things I'm sharing with you is like the visa to enter into the city. Is that okay? You may have a passport, but you have to have a visa on the passport to enter any particular nation. Getting a passport is not enough. Being saved is not enough. <laughs> is anybody following me? These are two different things. You could be saved, and that becomes your passport. But to enter, you need a visa. And until you enter, you can possess. Another realm, you have to first see, you've got to enter, and then you could possess what belongs to you. That you are born again is not enough. I keep saying that. Brother, check your sound. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we're dealing with entering the city of God. And again, we'll go to Revelation. Remember, this is part number eight of this study. And uh, today we're going to be dealing with the gate of Levi. Very interesting gate for me. Very interesting gate for me. Passport of Levi, if you want to put it that way. I mean, the visa of Levi to enter the city of God. Not just stopping at the airport, but entering the city. <laughs> Glory to God. Okay, Revelation 21 again. We need to read this because every message or every of these gates is a message on its own. So I'll just try as much as possible to recap by reading the passages we deal with. And so again, we'll look at Revelation 21, verse number 1. Revelation 21, verse number 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. So that takes me back to what we're, going to be, what we're dealing with in the Bible study. Remember that. The angel, Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 10, the angel with the rainbow on his head, have one of his legs on the earth, on the other one on the sea. So you see why there's no more sea? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because he's subduing the sea. Praise the Lord. No more sea. Okay. For those of you who want to know, you come along to the Bible studies on Wednesday and you get this fact out for yourself. Verse 12, verse 2 says, And I just saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, 
prepared as a bride, adore for her husband. There's something beautiful about this. Uh, time is not there also to talk about that. We've been saying some of this some before. But we have to understand. I was speaking to a brother recently who came for counseling. I said, the Bible didn't really say your woman has to be perfect. He said, you should make your woman perfect. I'm sorry about that. That's what the Bible says. Do you remember that? The Bible said, Christ gave him life for the church that he might wash it. Are you following what I'm talking about? If the woman is not the one to wash, it's Christ that is to wash. So the truth again is that for husband and wife, what you want your wife to be, that is what you will get. The balance is her wife, love your husband, submit to your husband. The husband will wash the wife. And bring you to the place where you're going to be without spot or wrinkle. So it's not about you, it's grace. Did you follow that? Verse 3. And I had a great voice out of heaven saying, Oh God, I wish I can get out of this. Great voice. Let me leave that. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. God being their God because the tabernacle of God is coming down out of heaven. Right? Verse 10. Go to verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem. Not the one in Palestine, don't forget, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, because the wife, so the glory of the woman is actually the man. Did you get that? The glory of every woman is that of the man. And that is why you see you change your name when you get married. Praise God. <laughs> okay. Having the glory of God and a light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal. The beauty of this passage is that the woman is taking the reflection of the man. So the man is glorious, then the woman will automatically become what? Glorious. Verse 12. And he had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gate the twelve angels, and the names written, therein which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. This is what we're dealing with. Is that okay? Okay, you go to um uh, Isaiah, I mean Ezekiel 48. Ezekiel 48. Praise the Lord. And just look at verse 31 alone of Ezekiel 48. Ezekiel 48, 31, the Bible says, And the gates of this city shall be after the names of the tribes of Israel. Three gates, not what? One gate of Reuben, one gate of Judah, one gate of Levi. So we're dealing with the gate of Levi today. Is that okay? We've dealt with Judah. We've dealt with uh, Reuben. Remember that? The Eastern Gate. We've dealt with all of those. We've dealt with Dan. I want you to pick this because it's very important. And we are discussing or describing the characteristic, which is symbolically, like I said this morning, your visa to enter into the city of the living God. That you are born again. 
is not a qualification to enter into the city. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, Colossians tells us, Colossians 1, 12, 13, thanks us, will be translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. That means we have, we have moved from one location to another location. But you see, at any point in time you move into a city, I think you get to a particular junction. You can, in early times, the city is faced around with a wall, like you used to have the Benin kingdom with a wall around the city to protect from against enemies and all of those things. Remember that? Very good. Today, the borders, you may not have wall, but you have borders, you have security men. So you got to pass through. That means you need something to indicate truly that you're qualified to enter the city. And that is your character. That is your attitude. That's what we deal with. The kind of character you must possess to enter into the city of the living God. It is when you enter, you can start talking about possessing what is in the city. Your inheritance is in the city, but you have to enter to possess. The children of Israel entered the promised land before they could possess all their plots. Are you there with me? They were already saved in Egypt, coming through the wilderness. They were going to the promised land. That is where their portion was. That is where their inheritance was. Their inheritance was not in the wilderness. It was not at the border of Canaan. It was right inside Canaan that they have to share the land among the twelve tribes. But you have to enter. Now you find that for them, you have to fight to enter into your possession because every of those land was occupied by strangers, by foreigners. So you got to fight them out to take what God is giving to you. Amen. For you, it's not necessarily that kind of warfare, but character and attitude. That's what gets you to possess. That's what takes you to the promised land. Okay, so we got to the gate of Levi this morning. Now Levi actually means adhesion, to join, to join. All right? And uh, this name you can find in Genesis 29 verse 34. Let's look at that. Genesis 39 verse 24. And it says, um, 29, 34, 34, I said, 29, 29, 34. That's what I said. Good. And she conceived again, a bear a son, and said, now this time, my husband be joined unto me, because I have born him three sons, therefore was his name called Levi. Or people call it Levi, some call it Levi, whatever you want to call him, Levi, Levi. Is that okay? It means to join. To join. To be united. Okay, you come with me to 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. To be joined with you. Look at that. But he that is joined unto the Lord. Is what? One spirit. Now, that is so critical. Because you see, Rachel was saying, I mean, this lady now was talking about and said, I got three sons to my husband, and now we can be joined together. It means all this while, they were not joined together. Now, what was the joining like? Spirit. You can be in a house. And you are not united with your wife or husband. 
in your spirit. Are you with me? You, 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 you can just have that. You are not united, but you are in the same house. Now, I can be joined to my husband. So, sometimes people talk about joining to me when husband and wife come together. That is not joining. <laughs> that is why it's also so difficult for people to define when they begin to say, what well, the Lord have joined together, let no one put us under. How do you know when the Lord joined them together? It's not the ceremony of performing church. That is not what the journey really is. It's when the two spirits are knitted together. Is anybody following what I'm talking about? Let's get it right. It's when the two people, the couples, are walking in the same spirit. That's where joining really takes place. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So it's not necessarily the ceremony. As good as that may be, it's simply a public declaration that these people are not boy and girlfriend, they are married. That's all. But the joining is between the man and the woman. And it's to be done in the spirit. Not in sleeping together. God is joining me sleeping together. Those who go and sleep with prostitutes mean they are joined to them. They are not joined to them. They are just satisfying the flesh. Are you with me? Praise God. All right. So here we go. We find that this was the name of the third son of Jacob by his wife Leah. Leah gave birth to this guy at about uh, 1753 BC. You know. And like we said, the original word of this name came out of the pronouncement of the mother. When he said, I'm now joined to my husband. What he was trying to say, my husband is going to love me now. My husband is going to, I'm going to kind of find favor now in the sight of my husband. My husband is going to tilt to me. But I'm going to get connected to me. It's like saying my husband will not listen to me. Are you done with me? And the Bible is saying he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So we are coming, we are talking about this gate is the gate that brings us to the place where we begin to hear God because God becomes truly our husband. The place of divine union with the almighty Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about. That's what Levi is all about. Are you with me? How connected is your spirit with God? Because you see, when you are connected with God in your spirit, he will commune with you, he will tell you things, he will show you stuff. Because you are connected with him, because you are the wife. <laughs> you know what Amos said? Can two walk together except they be agreed? That's union. And again he said, I will do nothing except I reveal it to my prophet. Now one of the things that God will want to do is to reveal his mind to his church, which is you. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. This time my husband be joined unto me. I want you to think seriously about that for marriage couples. So we said, it was like an entrance of hope. It's like all this while I don't seem to have any hope in this house. Because I came in by the person my husband preferred was supposed to be my sister. Remember the story? Good. So but now that I have a third child, I'm sure the affection of my husband will come towards me. My hope of truly being married will be realized. I mean, you just started this thing, a lot of things begin to come out of it. So sometimes you see, 
women are in the home but they don't seem to have hope as to whether they are actually in the home or not is that okay and they are hoping that one day my husband will truly turn to me now if you are in such situation this morning it's going to happen in the name of jesus christ hope of affection motherly affection wife husband affection coming towards the wife it will be restored to you in the name of jesus christ praise the lord okay all right so we find that he has these three sons and uh the believer himself actually have three sons Levi himself they were called geshon kohat and uh what is it merari three of them they were actually the people responsible for carrying some people carried ark only the levites one of the tribe in this levite family one carried the ark one carried the poles of the temple one carried the curtains that is the covering of the temple these are the only three guys family they were qualified to touch the temple to touch the ark that's why i discovered that this man that tried to help to stabilize the ark was struck dead because that was not his responsibility how many of you remember this story Praise the living God. Okay, so let's move on very quickly. Now, all of these three guys, they went with him to Egypt. According to Genesis 46 verse 11, they all followed Jacob to Egypt. As at the time, they went there. And then he died at the age of 137 years. According to Exodus chapter 6 verse uh, 16, they went to Egypt. He died at that particular age. All right. So we have three sons to Levi, Geshon, Kohat, and Merari. They also went with, like I said, with Jacob to Egypt. And uh, you see that in Genesis 47, verse 11, Exodus 6 and 16. Okay. When Jacob's death actually drew near, remember, he was blessing all of those children, like as it were before. Amen. Um, you do know the story. Let's look at uh, Genesis 47. 49 verse number 5. This one he was blessing them. This one he was blessing them. But I, I, I want to read this and then I'll, I'll let you see something. Praise the Lord. Genesis 49 verse 5. Genesis 49 verse 5. And then he says, Simon and Levi, a brethren, instrument of cruelty are in their habitations. They were wicked people. <laughs> Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. And I will show you what happened. All my soul, come not thou into their secrets, but be joined to them. This was the prayer of his father. Unto the assembly. It's like my spirit will not go with you. My honor be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man. And in their self-will, they dig down a wall. This is it. This is it. This is the greatest witness of this tribe. They have anger. Uncontrolled anger. In their anger, they slew a man. And he said, may my honor not go to them. Look at what he's talking about. My soul, come not die into their secret. Unto the assembly, my honor be not thou united, for in their anger 
Now, don't forget, the name means united. The name means joined. But he's saying, my honor should not be joined with you. He took Moses again to reverse this course. Are you see what I'm talking about? You've got to be careful with your spirit. I told you before, Bible says, he that cannot control his spirit is like a city without walls, whose walls are falling down. Now, when the wall of a city are falling down, all manner of reptiles can go into the city. All manner of enemies can go into the city. It's holy Maurice, you must control your spirit. Because the place, now the Bible says, keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are what? The issues of life. What it means to say, life flows from your heart. Life flows from your spirit. You follow me? Praise the living God. Hear what the Father is saying. Now, let me show you what really happened. That's a little bit of a long reading. But you can look at Genesis 34, verse 25 to 31. That's exactly what happened where the father was not angry with. There are some things you do. You think, oh man, I'm doing this for the defense of the family. I'm doing it for the defense of this. Man, you better watch out from the side of God. What is God's intention for that thing that you intend to do? Hallelujah. 34, 25. And it came to pass on the third day when they were saw that the two of the sons of Jacob, Simon and Levi, Dinah's brother, they avenged Dinah's brother because a man in the city slept with their sister. Took it man his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males just because somebody slept with your sister. And the worst part of it, these people came and said, oh my God, my, the parents of the man came and said, sorry for what my son have done. We would like to get married to your people. We would like to be united with your people. And Jacob, they get the condition. Okay, if you're going to be united with our people, you're uncircumcised people. We can't take people who are not circumcised to get married to our people. The man went to the family, I mean to the city and said, man, we got to get circumcised so that we can be united with these people. They went and circumcised themselves. In the midst of that, these two guys got a sword and begin to kill people. What are you revenging? Hallelujah. Look at the next thing, verse 25, very quickly, so that we'll move on. And slew Hymon and Sekem his son with the edge of the sword and took Diana out of Sekem's house and went out because finally this guy married the lady. He made the conditions. Look at the next thing. Verse 27, very fast with me. The son of Jacob came upon, slain, spoiled the city because they had defiled their sister. The whole city. No single spirit of forgiveness. Revenge. Go on now, let me show you something. Verse 20. They took their sheep and their oxen and their asses and that which was in the city and that which was in the field. They took. That means they impoverished the whole city. I mean, what kind of revenge is this? Go ahead and let me show you something. And all their words. Where are you now? All their wealth and all their little ones and their wife took their captive and spoiled even all that was in the house. <laughs> Go to the next verse. Jacob said to Simon and Levi, You have troubled me to make me stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and I be few in number. 
They shall gather themselves together against me and slay me. And I shall be destroyed. I and my house. So what did he do? Carry this load again and start moving. Because of the foolishness of two guys. May that not be your portion. You trouble your people sometimes because of what you claim to be anger, what you claim to be a righteous cause, what you claim to be a defense for your people. You trouble the family. Some of you are the one troubling your family, not the devil. Did you get that? Now you can see why he prayed the prayer he prayed. My soul! Let me not go with them because they give me a problem now. Made me wandering out of the place where I'm supposed to be settled. Are you getting that? They, they made the people around to see me to be a wicked person. You destroy the image of your home by your actions, sometimes outside. If you worship in here, mind your conduct. Because at the end of the day, where does he or she worship? They say, KDCC. Old Davis Church. Not church of God now. Davis church. He comes back to me. And you see my wife going away. That is a pastor's wife. Nobody is thinking about who did it. That is a pastor's wife. Which pastor's wife? That man I was telling you. Who's member? You see the connection? Your action rubs off on everybody. Dan told the man that shepherding you. Be careful. Are you following anything here? Listen, I'm talking about you entering the city. This is why so many of us continue to wonder why things are not happening to us and for us the way they ought to happen. We don't know. When this man is saying, my soul will not go with you, my honor will not go with you because you troubled me, how do you expect somebody to be honored? How do you expect somebody to have favor? If you live in careless life outside of this place and men are speaking evil of the Lord Jesus Christ and speaking evil of the church and the place you are worshipping, how do you expect to get a miracle? You follow what I'm talking about? Because you're speaking against the glory that is in the house. You're speaking against the grace that is in the house by your action. Praise God. Are you with me so far? Say, may my soul not go with them. May my honor not be in their inhabitations. <laughs> Glory to God. Jacob was not missing well. He will give it to you the way you are. Praise God. But now, what is the good side of Brother Levi? I've shown you the bad side which you must avoid. Let's look at the good side. Why is still a gate in this city? This is a cleric family. Let me show you. Levi is actually the tribe chosen, like I said, to serve in the temple. Levi also means, like I said, attach or join. Is a personality of dedicating your life to serving a higher calling. That is Levi. The personality, the character of dedicating your life to serving a higher calling. This is very important. How committed are you to the call upon your life? The Bible may not say you've been called, you've been chosen. And this is a higher calling. Hmm? 
Go with me to Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 1. If you can find it in your Bible. That is, if you still have one. <laughs> Glory to God. Hebrews 1, verse number 3. Yea, for holy brethren, partakers of what? The heavenly calling. Your calling is heavenly. Your calling is a higher calling. And that is Levi. Levi means committing yourself to this higher calling. How committed are you to this heavenly calling, this higher calling that God has placed upon your life? It's not just, an, I mean, something to be called a Christian. As a matter of fact, it's not just being a Christian, you are a child of God. Hallelujah. You are a child of God. Not just that which is called Christian. It's not just another. You know, you should understand that the word Christian was a tag. It was the unbelievers that tagged the people. These are Christians because they were behaving like Christ. And so the word says, we are for holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle, a high priest of your profession, Christ Jesus. Consider, look, think. Can I get it from the, um, any other translation? Maybe the message translation. Hebrews 1 verse 1. I mean 3 verse 1. Hallelujah. Can you find it? And so dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven. Think carefully about this Jesus who we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. Can you get that? Consider, think, how did Jesus walk? That's what Levi really stands for. It's our union, and not just a union, it's a calling, and not just a calling, it's a commitment to that calling. Which is heavenly. You got to understand that the church is only a place to get you educated. That's why it's called equipping the saints. Where you are supposed to demonstrate your Christian virtue and life is outside, in the marketplace, in your homes, not in the church. Your real life as to who you are ought to be revealed outside of the church. All of us can become very holy when we come to church. Hmm? But when you get out of church, how are you? When you go to the place of work, how are you? You serve as a secretary to somebody and somebody's coming looking for your boss. What's your response like? Is there. You can, you can knock that door. Is there. I'm busy. You can knock on that door. And your boss asks you, how did this man come in? I showed him the door because I was busy. That's your Christian life that you just displayed. No single courtesy. You have no respect for people. Some of you are very stubborn, very rebellious, and yet you claim to be Christians. How are you committed to this higher calling? How did Jesus treat people? How did he respond to people's lifestyle? Think about it. Praise the Lord. So, this is the Levite. Those joined to the Lord, call unto the Lord for a specific assignment, and they were so committed to it. With all their witness, they were so committed to it. Now, look at Deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 19. 
they had the law given to them. He said, Deuteronomy chapter 3, Deuteronomy chapter 31, right? Verse 19. 31 verse 19. 31. Very good. King James. And he said, Now therefore, 31 verse 9. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm the one given to confusion. I need 31 verse 9, not 19. And Moses wrote this law and delivered it into the priests, the sons of Levi, which built the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. But he gave to them to which people? To Levi, that carries the ark. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Romans 8, verse 2. There's something you need to understand. The law was placed into the ark. And the Levite, the people carrying the ark. Today you are a Levite priest unto the Lord. Where is the ark of God? According to the book of Jeremiah chapter 31, it tells us precisely that the time is coming when no man shall think or remember the ark anymore. Why? Because the ark shall be in the heart of those who carries it. It's no longer a physical thing, it's not a spiritual thing, and it's right in your heart. The laws of God are written where? In your heart, not in a tablet of stone. That's what makes you a true Levite. How committed are you? Now, this is what it says. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. The law that was given to them simply speaks of the law of sin and death, Moses gave that, but Jesus brought another law, and it's called the law of the spirit of life. And so the law is where, right now, in your hearts. You see, you can't continue to adjust situations with your mind. You're far away from the high calling that God will call you into. That's why I said as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Not as many are goes to church. No. The law is in your heart. You walk by the law of the spirit of Christ. Not your mind. Not your intellect. Not your emotions. Not your feelings. The law of the spirit of Christ. And it's the law of life. Not the law of death. The law of life. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. There's another interesting aspect. Now don't, don't forget what we're dealing with, the gate of Levi. You know what? In entering the city, we're talking about people that walk under, under the influence of the spirit of the law of life in Christ Jesus. Are you there with me? So critical. You need to understand this. Okay. Deuteronomy 33, verse number 8. Deuteronomy 33, verse number 8. Very interesting thing again. 33, verse number 8. Good. And Levi, he said, Let the Tomium and the Urim be with the Holy One, whom thou didst probe at Massa, and with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah. Urim and Tomium. Now, the Urim and Tumim is very important for us to understand. The Urim speaks of all light and wisdom 
light and wisdom. And Tamiyan speaks of excellent, completion, perfection. Oh my God, I love this. What God is saying is, I've given you light and wisdom, and I've given you perfection and completeness. As he who is joined to the Lord as a Levite. Are you there with me? Now, the Urim and the Tumim actually, as the name implies, perfection, wisdom, it was designed to point out the light, the abundant information and spiritual things afforded by the wonderful revelation which God himself has given by the law. Through this principle, they can understand what is in the law. And the perfection actually speaks about the holiness, the beauty, strict conformity to God himself, which that particular season represented or required. There was a requirement that God has in mind for the law. Is that okay? It is true this to me my coming that you can decipher what was right there. And this was introduced and accomplished by the dispensation of light, which is the truth. In other words, the coming and determine is being reflected and pointing directly to the gospel of Jesus, which is a true light. Is that all right? Amen. All the various expressions you can find through the two men are coming, they are found actually in the gospel. I just want you to see that. It speaks of light, it speaks of wisdom, it speaks of perfection, it speaks of truth, it speaks of manifestation, it speaks of even doctrine, which is teaching. Praise the Lord. Now, this is the way it works. Can I get it? Can I get a picture of the terminal coming so that you can see what I'm talking about? There were two things that were placed in the priest's chest as he goes into the most holy place. And if you want to consult God, you go to the priest. And this is the way it was. So, this is the high priest. And this is the whole thing. Now, right here you have the 12 tribe of Israel. You know, he carries them. In the meantime, he's going to the most holy place. You find all of those here right within him. Is that okay? I mean, on his chest. So he goes and stands before the ark. And if you were to consult God, you stand behind the ark. I mean, behind the priest. Right? And then you're going to ask, can I go up or can I not go up? And if the answer is go up, the light will reflect. Two light will, will just come out of the stones you see there. Determine and determine. Giving the answer to your request. So, is the priest that carries the two men and coming to help the people to get answers from God when they want an answer from God. You follow what I'm saying here? Praise the Lord. So when he inquired, the priest will stand, like I said, facing the ark, and then he will stand there, and then those inquiry will come behind and they will go up there and say, shall I go up? Or shall I not go up? And then the Holy Spirit seems to come upon the priest, and then the breastplate will now show forth the answer by way of the vision of prophecy, if you will. And the two light comes out. If he's going to say go up, two light comes out showing that you're going to go. This is a function. Now these two things we are giving to the Levites. Oh my. That tells you something today. Hallelujah. Okay, let's first of all read something before I make you to see who you are and where you're supposed to be. Go down to Isaiah chapter number 8 and verse number 19. King James. 
Isaiah 8, verse number 19. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mortar, shall not the people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, let's just quickly look at this from the message translation. Just this verse alone. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. Message translation. When people tell you, try out the fortune tellers, why do you go to a fortune teller? You want to find an answer. You want to get a solution to your problems. You understand me? Okay. When people tell you, go to the fortune tellers, consult the spiritualist. Oh, and we have them all over the place. All over the place. Praise the living God. We have them all over the place. Spiritualist. Huh? But here and there, wherever, they are all over the place. When people say, let's go to the spiritualist, what's going to be your answer? Why not tap into the spirit world? Okay? And that's also come from various shakes. Yoga exercise, this, that, this, that. Remember that? All of those occult practices. How you do meditation, how you connect to God. How you do the carrots, the carrot card. And, you know, I read some of those things those days. And then you connect to the spirit world. Why not you try to connect to the spirit world to get answers? What did the Bible say? Hallelujah. In order to get in touch with the dead. Look at verse 20. This is the answer that he gave. Verse 20, King, I mean, message translation. Praise the living God. Message translation. And, uh, no, they can't seem to be flipping this so quickly. I don't know. All right. But I'm trying to make you understand. The Bible tells us, instead of doing all of that, go to the word of God. Praise the Lord. Is that okay? Message translation. When they ask you to consult spiritualists, to find means to get into the spirit world, tell them no. What does it say you should tell them? No. Why? Because you see, when you go consult the spirit, you're connecting with the spirit that you are consulting. You're contaminating your own spirit with another spirit. Tell them no. We are going to study the scriptures. People will try the other ways, get nowhere. If that end, they don't go anywhere. That's why they keep on consulting and consulting and consulting and consulting. Then your question is, how are we supposed to know about the future? How are we supposed to know about things that are supposed to be happening to us? That's why you are joined to the Lord. He that is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. Come with me to 1 Corinthians 12 verse number 8. King James, 1 Corinthians 12 verse number 8. Hallelujah. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 12 verse number 8. Oh. Okay, let's start from verse 7. 12 verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, is given to every man to profit with her. Take this from the message, let me see, before you get to number 8. 
Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. You have something. Go to verse number 8. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear, understanding. Take it from King James. Let's just take it from King James. Verse number 8. For to one is given by what? The spirit, the word of wisdom. Word of wisdom equals good counseling. That's why you find that. The Bible says the counsel of our heat of it were like the oracles of God. Did you get that? Why? Because our heat of it was full of wisdom. Praise the living God. How many of you understand precisely that when Solomon asked God, I mean God asked Solomon, what do you want that I'll do for you? Solomon knew that there were enemies, he knew there were all kinds of people, he said I need wisdom. Why do you think he asked for wisdom? Because a mother, right, Bershaw, was a sister. I mean, Ahitophel was an uncle of Bathsheba. Bathsheba was able to know how powerful Ahitophel was through the spirit of cancer, which is wisdom. And she lived by wisdom in the house of Solomon too. As a matter of fact, she wrote Proverb 31 woman, the mother of Solomon. Is that okay? And when Solomon saw that, and God said, what do you want? Remember what my mother told me. I need wisdom. And God said, you're going to get wisdom and every other thing that you need. And so Proverbs chapter 3 verse 4 we say, wisdom is the principal thing. And with all that getting, get what? Understanding. And the Bible is saying, God is giving to us what? Wisdom. In other words, the tumium and the cumium that was in the breastplate of the high priest is not delivered to you. I'm talking of what you need to assess or entrance into the, into the city of the living God. To one is given by the spirit of the word of wisdom, the other the word of knowledge, by another the same spirit. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. This is how you guide people. Sometimes you look at people and God gives you the word of wisdom. I was speaking to you a few days ago. I looked at a sister and I said, Hey sister, I see you doing business in Jamaica. Remember that? That was simply the word of knowledge. I never knew the sister before. And she could confirm, Oh yes, David, you never know what you never knew what you told me in 2016. When you were speaking to me, I have the intention of going to Jamaica to start a restaurant, a kind of breakfast. A house where people come in to stay bread and breakfast and I want to put it together because it's, a, it's in a place of high resort where people will come in and that is the business you saw 2016 that's word of knowledge you guide people it's not meant for the pastor alone to everyone you are meant to profit why because we are royal priesthood a holy nation this is what you need to assess the throne of grace. I mean, the city of the living God. Word of knowledge. Word of wisdom. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. 
Romans 12, verse number 6. Three things that actually stand for the tomb and coming. If I may use the word. But the principle in the word of knowledge and word of wisdom. You should be able to tell people sometimes when you look at them. What God intends to do, what God wants to do. Praise the Lord. Are you there with me? You know, I saw a sister the first time in the U.S. I was telling my wife the other day. When I saw this person, they asked her to come pick me up from the airport. And I looked at her and I said, sister, I don't know you. But you look like a nurse. You look like somebody who cares for people. There is that passion for you to help people. It's so much in you. And you say, I'm a flight hostess. Now I say, keep it up. It's going to bless you. I never knew she was taking a major responsibility of caring for an old person of 97 years old. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. It can be anywhere. It's not just in church. Outside, in the streets, anywhere. That is why you are Levite. So don't think it's, you're going to come to church and all you're going to come looking for is prophecy. May you're wasting time. You have this with you. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> Glory to God. Look at verse 6. Having then gift differing according to the grace that is given to us, where the prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. I know that one is a common thing everybody does now. But the Bible says, I'll pour my spirit upon our flesh. And the young one, they shall do what? They shall prophesy. It's not supposed to be for one man that is coming from the moon to give you prophecy. You don't start going to church looking for prophecy. It's given to you already. You have it. You can know some things. You can understand some things. You can assess the heavens. That is the commune and the coming. It's given to you to know. About yourself, about your tomorrow. About your relations. Praise the living God. Do you understand that? Sometimes you'll be praying and you don't understand, but you're just praying and things are just coming out of your mouth. That is your spirit bubbling up. That is the Holy Spirit showing you things. You begin to assess your prayers and you see what God is saying. Praise the Lord. Because you see your spirit. Remember the incident we had one of the first Sundays when a young man was brought here? And remember, I was standing here just praying and I said, there shall be no death. There shall be no death. There shall be no... Three times I mentioned that. And the mother grabbed my leg. And the child was going away. Remember the incident? Now, that what I was speaking was like a word of knowledge. I wasn't speaking to the child. I didn't know the child was dying. But there was something coming for. There was something God was saying was happening in the spirit. So sometimes in your prayers, you are making prophetic words. You are releasing something to the atmosphere. You are changing the climate. Because I see your spirit. You follow what I'm saying here? Praise the Lord. This is the good thing about the tribe of Levi. And this is what you must try as much as possible to assess. This is what you must try as much as possible to come into. That even in your family, you can see things, you can see stuff, you can tell your children what God is saying. The lowest aspect of it, which is also very powerful, is that you can dream. How many of you can say dream today? Hallelujah. You can dream. Amen.
And I know one of our brothers here spoke to me sometimes and said, Pastor, I don't dream often, but I had a dream and you were very old and you were sitting on the altar. And other people were ministering. You had beers going up. And this is one of the reasons I can't leave this church. Because I know you are going to grow old and the church is going to be big. He's in church today. And anytime anything is happening to me, I remember that dream. This is what the brother said, my beard has not started growing yet. Glory to God. So one day I'm going to let them grow. Amen. They're going to be that tall. Amen. I'll shave my head and allow them to come down here. Then I'll be sitting down and some of the people will be preaching. People like Samson will be preaching. Praise God. You see what I'm talking about? That is the thing. Dreams, vision, the tell of things in the future. And it can keep you going. Why do you think the children of Israel will have the courage to ready to go to the promised land? Because the spies came and said, hey, the land is very fruitful. Do you understand that? God sent them there, go look at the land. They brought for the fruit, they saw the glory. Oh my God, we're going to go. One of the reasons you can't stay because you haven't seen anything yet. One of the reasons you can't stay because you have no understanding of what God intends to do. Praise God. So it's not about just some prophecies or whatever. You can have it. God can give it to you. God can show it to you because you are a priest. I am saying the Levite gate is what opened you to the spirit realm. And you need it. Finally, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 5. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 5 and verse 9. Verse 7 says, And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people, according to the law, that is of their brethren, though they came out of the loins of Abraham. So let's go to verse 9. And as I may say, Levi also, who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. So what is Levi speaking about? Financial wisdom. The gate of Levi is a gate of financial wisdom. Some of us just live our life, we don't have understanding about financial matters. We are told here that even when, it, when Levi was still in Abraham's loin, when he had not been given better, he paid tithes. Are you surprised then that the Lord said, okay, since you pay tithes, you receive tithes. For whatever a man swear that shall he also reap. <laughs> Praise the living God. You follow what I'm talking about? Now we have a lot of people who say, well, I don't believe in tithing. Mm, makes no difference to me. My only simple question is this. If you are a child of Abraham, and Jesus said, if you are a child of Abraham, do the works of Abraham. You tell me what Abraham did. Only two things. Abraham had faith, he paid tithes. That settles my case with you. If you like argue, you like debate, like call it law. Somebody was writing yesterday and he said, Apostle David, what is your view about this? I said, you want my view? He says, I'm sorry, you're going to go the wrong one. Because trying to say, we're well, not grace, we don't pay tight. I say, fine, you're not grace, you must also steal. You must also, you know, you know what, what about the law said? Kill, do all of those things. Remember that? Are you there with me? The law said, that shall not steal, that shall not kill. Did he say so? 
Okay, fine, you are under grace. So, start killing. Because the law is gone. You see, people don't understand the difference between the moral laws and the sacrificial laws. And they forgot to realize that tithe was paid 430 years before Moses wrote his laws. 430 years before Moses wrote his laws. What are you arguing about? Tithe is simply a simple principle to break you from greed and to acknowledge that the one you are paying that title gave you everything you have. It's an acknowledgement of the goodness of God. Let me show you this. If you are a carpenter, God gave you wisdom to do carpentry. The tree in the forest was given to you by God. Are you following what I'm talking about? You are paying tight on your labor to acknowledge the man that gave you the wisdom to be a carpenter and the trees that you use. It's just simple acknowledgement that somebody gave you those things. You are a professor. What about your wisdom? What about your knowledge? Like my good brother here playing football. Is he the only one in the city? Why is his leg better? Huh? Come on, is anybody following what I'm talking about? That's why you pay a tithe. You are just acknowledging God. You gave me the wisdom. You gave me the skill. You gave me the ability. That is why I can do what I'm doing. Simple. Not paying tithe is like you are self-dependent. You have all the ability all by yourself. You can do it all by yourself. You, you, don't, you don't feel anybody helps you. You're running a business. You think you are the only one that has a business in the city. Why is your business prospering? And you think you are the only one that knows how to do business where you're doing the business you are doing. You forgot that God gave you some wisdom to do what you're doing. You pay your tithe just to acknowledge the wisdom of God upon your life. God gave me wisdom to run my business. That's why I'm succeeding. Haven't you seen people have big business and they come down? Why is your own seat standing? You can acknowledge God for that. Say, I don't know how to pay tithe. I don't believe in tithe. Believe whatever you want to believe. If I believe yourself. Don't believe God. Believe yourself. You're just arguing for nothing. Praise the living God. Believe I, they knew what they do. They pay tithe to Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm talking about? And then Melchizedek blessed them. So there's a blessing connected to tithe. You tithe under grace. I'm not talking about if you don't tithe, the devil is going to eat you up. The devil. I'm not talking about that. I'm just trying to say, when you don't pay tithe, you are saying, God is not important to me. And like I asked the guy the question, he didn't say tight, you rob me in tight. He said you rob me in tight and offering. So if tight is not relevant, offering is not relevant. He said tight and offerings. He didn't say tight. Tight and offerings. Why are you arguing about tight and you don't argue about offerings? Stop taking offering in the church too. Simple. You follow what I'm talking about? We just argue because it's money. Because you see, you see. <laughs> Help me, Lord. You know, money is, is your life. Why did I call it your life? Because you sweat to make money. And Jesus said, He who loves his life more than me. Except you lose your soul, you won't gain it. If you lose it, you'll get it. But if you keep it, you lose it. Simple. You swear to make money. So money equals your life. Equals your soul. In that sense. And if you love your soul more than Christ, you lose it. Is anybody following me? I'm talking about the gate of Levi. Interesting gate. 
I couldn't finish yesterday when I was looking at this. So much was coming to my mind. So much was just been impressing my spirit. And I was saying, God, thank you for understanding all wisdom. Man, God has so blessed us with understanding that we could live as free people on this face, I mean on the face of this earth and be so joyful at any point in time because we are connected to the spirit. We can see what is yet to come. We can see what is going on now. We can know who is who at any point in time. Man, listen, I'm saying we must come to the place where you cannot be deceived in any business. Is anybody getting this? You, you see, hallelujah. You can come to the place where if somebody call your phone and says, come, you'll be able to know the man. He says, come on. I'm not talking about using your diligence. Wisdom can just tell you. The spirit can just tell you this man is a cheat. But we see people today do business. We see Christians do business. People come, dupe them money. Where is the spirit of revelation of wisdom? Where is the spirit of the word of knowledge? How can't you desire that this man is a fraud? That's a problem. So all that we do is to go to the prophet to give prophecy to us. But your daily life, you can live with simple spirit of wisdom and the spirit of the word of knowledge and the spirit of prophecy. It's a difficult thing. Praise the living God. Come on, are you following what I'm talking about? It's a difficult thing. I told you the other day, a couple came to me for counseling. And I was looking at them. And I said, let's pray. They were talking, talking. I said, let's pray. When we start to pray, I find that there was this man with regalia standing, walking stick standing in between them, but very close to the man. And I said, hey, brother, talk to me. Among you here, whose parent is an Oboni man? And the boy said, my uncle is an Oboni man. My father is dead, but it's not my father. He represents me in this marriage. I said, your uncle is an Oboni man? He said, yes. So that's what the Spirit is saying. You've got to be careful in this year marriage. The role he was supposed to play in this year marriage limited. Very simple. You don't need to go to any prophet to find out. You just pray God will reveal things to you. This is a spirit of wisdom and counsel. That doesn't make me what people call a prophet. But I can see things in your life. <laughs> Through word of knowledge and word of wisdom. Are you getting what I'm talking about? You too can live that way. That's the gate of Levi. When you come to that expression in your life, you're already entering the city. You becoming a bona fide son of the city. You stand strong anywhere, anytime. Wherever you go, you stand strong. You can see things. Glory to God. You follow what I'm saying? Can you stand up? Stand up. Stand up. I want you to begin to talk to the Father. 